Persons under 18 will not be admitted. What's up, everybody? This is Jeff and Ben. Um, talking with the dead. And still talking with. And still talking with. Still talking with is our live show. Yes. You can catch that every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. Eastern. That's yeah. Eastern. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You live yeah. in fucking California. It's got to be three. No, four. Four? Yeah. They're oh. only three hours behind. What about daylight savings? Yeah, well, fuck that. We'll worry about that one. Okay, so if you're on the West Coast, you're going to have to look up when 6 o'clock is out there compared to here. Which would be actually 7 o'clock out there. 7 o'clock? Yeah. No, before this is over, I'm going to need a whole lot of serious therapy. You're all fucked up today. Another dollar for the swear jar. I'm always fucked up. <laughs> you should tune into the show and see really how fucked up I can get. Oh, yeah. Well, opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one. And when you do tune in, you're going to see amazing guests like this. Hey, what's up? This is Jeremy Palco from The Walking Dead, and this is Still Toking With. Hi, I'm Larry Kenny, and you're listening to Still Toking With. What's up, everybody? It's comedian Sherwin Array, and you're listening to Still Toking With on the Dorkening Podcast Network. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. We have very active lifestyles. It's not all wandering the countryside aimlessly or scaring passing motorists. We all love a good cup of joe. And there's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds Coffee is my guilty pleasure. Bold, robust, delicious. It's coffee that can wake the dead. (laughs) With over a dozen different roasts and flavors, Deadly Grounds can satisfy the most finicky of coffee addicts. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. Hey, hey, happy Wednesday, everybody. You're watching Still Token With. My name is Leo. I'm the monkey behind the keyboard here. We have an awesome show scheduled for you, as always. And with us, Benjamin. How's it going, bud? Oh, it's going awesome. 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 Dude, I'm super psyched about our guest tonight. I mean, season four, we've had tons of amazing people on. Um, but our guest tonight, I think we can say, stands in a different crowd. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Jeff, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna leave it there. Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to tonight. Um, I mean, I um, I kind of grew up with this stuff because I'm old, you know. Uh, but that's how it goes because you're all gonna be there. Um, right? People. Are great history. They, people are gonna say they grew up watching us. True that. Um, yeah, true that. So great history. Um, what a legacy. Uh, and I'm glad that, uh, you know, somebody has taken and actually put it down on paper. Uh, so I'm going to introduce her. Um, she's the granddaughter to Roy Rogers and Dale Evans. Uh, and she has just written a book, um, which I am so psyched to read. Uh, so let's welcome Julie Rogers Appel. Mo- pa- pa- see, I <laughs> you did too. <laughs> we just went over this, Jeffrey. Yeah, we just I know, went over that, this. 
listen, but listen, I, I don't make me send you back to anybody. third grade. <laughs> yeah. I will send you back to third grade. You don't want me for a teacher. Oh, want to bet? <laughs> <laughs> Write the stories. You the don't stories want me for a know. student. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's the way I should phrase it. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank That's you for problem. being part of it. Yeah. I mean, right? the granddaughter of two, the two, the two most iconic Hollywood actors I, I, ever, I would say. I would say ever. Absolutely. I don't know. You might be stretching that one a little bit. No, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think Not so. too many married people that are, you know, together in that, in that sphere right. um, and in the last. Russian genre I, I guess they were yeah they were pretty well known in that in that genre yeah I mean just I, I'm just blown away that you're here talking to us about, well, thank you. about them um, you know I know we you know you just wrote a book as Jeff mentioned um, yep. I believe it's called your heroes my grandparents yes it is uh-huh good good guess I forgot to write it down okay. good memory <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> See, Jeff, I passed third grade. <laughs> Barely. I've known you since third grade. Well, maybe not. Pretty close. But pretty tell, close. Tell our viewers and our future viewers and future listeners just a little bit about why you wanted to write this book. Well, you know, as you get older, and yeah, I hate to admit it, but I am getting older. Um, you start to think about what you're leaving for the next generation behind, right? And especially mm -hmm. the ones that are related to you, like your kids. So I have three sons that are grown, and they're very successful and very happy. And uh, But I got to thinking, you know, they know a little bit about Gigi and Grampy, which is what the, grand, the great-grandkids called them. But by the time they knew them, they were in, you know, their lazy boy chairs, and they were crawling all over them. Uh, they didn't see them like I did, where they were out in their prime and they were, uh, you know, on shows and really popular and people following them and wanting their autograph and things like that. So I thought, you know, I have some interesting take on, on how I grew up and some stories that I wanted to share with them. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to make one of those mom books, you know, for Christmas and I'll just go get it bound at Kinko's and it'll be like a little diary type thing. And. I'll pass it on down to my kids. So every time I go out to a Western festival, people would say, oh, Julie, you have so many great stories. You need to write a book. And I'd say, well, actually, I am writing a book, but it's to my sons. And every single time I said that along the way, people would say, no, 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 no. You need to broaden your audience and get it published because we buy it because we want to hear those stories, too. So I started taking it to heart after I heard about, you know, 27, 28 people say that to me over the, the time, you know, and, and, um, and so I did. And it's amazing the response that I've had because uh, people really like the stories. And it's just it's easy to read because you don't have to read it cover to cover. It's 33 little separate stories of times that I remember with them. And they're very short, three to four pages. My husband's happy about that and lots of pictures because he doesn't like to, you know, he's, he was an English major, but he doesn't like to read, right? <laughs> So um, I don't know. I can't figure that one out. But anyhow, uh, 
So it, it was just very easy once I just started putting all those stories together. Now I have a book. That's awesome. Awesome. So what I got out of that is uh, your husband's an English major who likes picture books. Yeah. Well, he's also he's also a baseball coach who likes picture books. And, a, and a <laughs> he taught me how to ride, which is really funny because he said to me, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. You're telling me that you don't know how to ride a horse. And I said, right. Yeah, but you rode trigger. Well, yeah, but that's not like learning how to really be a good rider. I just, he set us up on trigger and walked us around and stuff. He said, so let me get this straight. I'm teaching Roy Rogers' granddaughter how to ride a horse. And I said, yes, <laughs> you are. <laughs> so now there he is, has right? a story. Yeah, yeah. So that's how it went down. Wow. Wow. Now, did he do your editing, being an English major? Uh, no. No, because he's, you know, he puts too many exclamation points and too many capitals and too many, you know, he's he's Italian-Sicilian, so he's very dramatic. Easily and, excitable. Okay. Yeah, so I was like, no, I, I have, but I had a lot of people, a lot of my friends around me say, here, read this. See if you find any mistakes. And, you know, it still gets through with mistakes because of different oh, yeah. reasons and stuff, but... Overall, I'm happy. Awesome. Wow. So, so yeah. it's really, it's it's a book about your grandparents, but it's, if, if I can say this correctly, uh, it's really a memoir of you with your grandparents. Mm -hmm. It's through my eyes. Okay. But it has a lot of, what's kind of nice is it has a lot of their biographical um you know, points of interest and trivia and part of their lives, you know, kind of running through it. So it's not just, it's not about me. It's about how I experienced them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I guess it is a little bit, but it's for the most part, the focus is on them. Okay. So, um, yeah, okay. I never thought of writing a book until I was going to just do it for my kids. And it's actually my aunt and uncle have written books. But this is the first grandchild that has right. written a book. Right. I think there's a really interesting relationship with a grandchild and a grandparent. Because the grandparent can be a little bit, can kind of back off a little bit and not get so involved and upset. Um, if there's something that I'm talking about that's, you know, a problem or something, they don't, they, you know, they've already gone through that route. And right. They've already parented, so they can kind of give you some wisdom without getting into the, you know, emotions of it all. And I was very close to them. Right, so, right. No, and, and, and I agree with you on that. I actually have four grandchildren. Yeah. And and it is, it, it's, it's a different bond because I yeah. love the fact that, so I'm assuming that they would be like, here, we're going to spoil you. Yeah. Fill you full of sugar. Send you home. And then send you home. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Right? You know, What's interesting is... is actually that my other grandparents really spoiled us more than my Roy and Dale grandparents. And um, they, Grandpa was really old school. You know, you, mm -hmm. you do your chores, you work for money, you know, a dollar is important and here's why. And this is why your work, work ethic is important and all this stuff. And I think my other grandma kind of felt a little bit of, uh, you know, competition. And she wanted to kind of give us a lot because she felt like, I don't know, 
she felt maybe not as good as a, I mean, my grandma was a pretty hard act to follow. You know, she was very, she looked like a Barbie, um, mm -hmm. you know, and my other grandma was wonderful kindergarten teacher, but she was not a Barbie. <laughs> she was a grandma with a nice, well, right, nice right. lap, you know, to sit on. Right. So, um, interesting way of growing up. I would say, I would say, mm -hmm. absolutely. I'm still kind of blown away that you're here talking to us about it. <laughs> Somebody has to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. So, so what was what was the height of um, uh, their career? Late fifties into the mid sixties, seventies. I would say it was a little before that because by the time I came along. Uh, their show had just wrapped and they were uh, into reruns. And so we would watch grandpa's show with him on the floor. And he'd be saying, go, Roy, get him, Roy, get those bad guys. And we'd say, yeah, grandpa, get him, get him. And as far as I knew, everybody's grandpa had a TV show because that was my normal. And mm -hmm. that's all I knew. So I didn't think he was famous. I just thought, well, this is his job. And... Um, but I think they were popular uh, closer to like the early 50s, I think, was the height of their popularity. Yeah, and at one time he had that. more merchandise out there with his name or likeness than anybody except Walt Disney. So yep. he was really smart on the merchandising end. And um, and Time Magazine did a, or was it Life? I think it was Life Magazine, um, posed a question to children back in the late 40s. Who would you most like to be like? And the, the three top answers was a three-way tie between Roosevelt, Abraham Lincoln, and Roy Rogers. So. Yep. Wow. Okay. Wow. That's yeah. actually really cool. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. Well, I mean, I remember as a kid sitting there with my dad, mm -hmm. uh, you know, watching some of the, uh, you know, the old Roy Rogers stuff and. Um, not understanding really because I was just a little kid, but you know, and then uh, into my life came the, the New England cowboy dude, which I think was the next step in the the uh, the Roy Rogers legacy, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. Well, there was definitely a period of time where Westerns were, were the thing, and then yeah. they went out real fast, and then you have to reinvent yourself. So they, you know, did appearances. They did a variety show, you know, because then variety shows came in yeah. and they did themselves. They hosted a variety show. It was very short lived, but um, they were on a lot of variety shows, too. And they, you know, dragged us on to, to some of them, which was fun for us. The Jonathan Winter show, I remember really well because I was 10, I think, at the time, almost 11. And um, and my cousin pretty much, you know, <laughs> tore the show apart by what he did on set with Jonathan Winters. But of course the producers loved it because he threw a ball at Jonathan Winters head. <laughs> right. You know, as there is are filming, I mean, right there on, on uh, TV and we were supposed to all be listening to a story. We we're supposed to come over to the rug, sit down. Oh, kids, I want to tell you a story. He had his Viking hat on and everything. And my cousin who was three decided, you know what? I don't want to go over there. I want to play with all these toys. Oh, look at this ball. I wonder what would happen if I threw it. Well, he threw it and it knocked Winter's hat off, his Viking hat. And he just took off uh, improvisation about it. And it was hilarious. 
it was hilarious. Um, we didn't think so because we were all scared, like, uh-oh. <laughs> you really went and did it now. And his mom was mortified. But the producers and the cameramen and the people in the audience, I mean, tears were running down their, their faces because he was so hilarious. But years later, he saw Grandma at another event. I mean, years, like maybe 15 years later. And he said, hey, Dale, how's that blankety-blank grandson of yours? <laughs> I believe he remembered so i don't mm -hmm. think he ever really let rob off the hook for that one and we haven't either the family has never let him off the hook so. <laughs> so so basically he gets baseballs for his birthday and christmas yeah. and... <laughs> right right it was funny. Uh, you know, well i mean i know that um uh you know rex talked uh, very highly of uh roy and uh, dale rex and, allen um uh, no, Rex Trailer. Oh, because we have a Rex yeah. Allen in our lives. Yeah, no, this would be uh, Rex Trailer. He uh, his TV was late sixties into the seventies. Ah, you know, um, and he was really New England based. But uh, you know, I had a lot of conversations with the guy, and uh, still very nice. good friends with his nice. uh, his daughter, and you know. He spoke very highly of Roy as an inspiration to him. Well, the thing about them is that they were the same on and off screen. You know, they were they were who everybody mm -hmm. hoped they would they would be. And sometimes you don't find that. Sometimes you know they play a nice guy and they're really not. And there wasn't much mystery to Grandma and Grandpa. They were really who they were. And when they were playing on their show they were really acting like grandma and grandpa. So that's why the reality was the lines for reality for me were blurred because mm. I saw them on TV with Nellie Bell and, you know, trigger and all this stuff. And, and then they kept Nellie Bell at the carport at home. So I'd see Nellie Bell at home and trigger was in the barn. And so it was all very normal to me that, it was just the way it was. Right. They didn't make themselves you, be any big deal. And until I was in second grade, I didn't even know they were famous. So. I was just going to bring that up because you yeah. were in school mm -hmm. when you figured this out. I think I read this um, somewhere. But yeah. yeah, the weekly scholastic reader that mm -hmm. the teacher had passed out in your was it your grandfather, I believe? Yeah, on the, he was was on, on the, the cover. Big on the cover. Him, and I put the picture in the book. Uh, and every time I see that picture, it takes me back to second grade. It's really weird. It's it's kind of cool. But, yeah, she brought me up to her desk, and she pointed at this big stack of weekly readers and scholastic news. And, and she said, do you know who this is? And she was all weird. And I thought, yeah, it's my grandpa. And... She went on to make a big deal about it. And I was floored. I didn't know why. Mm -hmm. And when I went home, I asked my parents a lot of questions that day. And that was the very first beginning of me understanding, oh, maybe not every grandparent has a TV show. And maybe they are different than other people's family. And maybe my family is not so normal as I think they are. Um, yeah. So that's uh, that's pretty well, cool. So, is that why you teach third grade? Because there's too many yeah, second yeah. grade memories. <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> I think you beat me to it. 
No, I taught all the grade levels <laughs> actually. But I just happened to be in third grade this year. But I um I never thought that my family was better than anybody else. And then it confused me because long about fifth or sixth grade, when girls kind of get into their little cliques and they get mm -hmm. all catty and stuff. And I know because I've taught fifth and sixth grade girls. Um some of them, before they even met me and knew me, started to talk bad about me. Like, oh, she thinks she's so great because, you know, her grandparents. And I thought, no, I don't. <laughs> um, so I started hiding it for a while, not talking about, well, I never really talked much about it anyway, but I tried to kind of squelch rumors and try to play play it close. And um mm -hmm. Because I didn't want to be ostracized for that. It wasn't my right. fault I was born into this family. Meanwhile, it's also not my, you know, uh, not my doing that maybe people know me or my family. So, I mean, I don't take the bad personal and I don't take the good personal. It's just right. the way it is. Right. So, um, I have a question for you in regards to the book. Is there... Is there something that you put in the book that you wish you hadn't? And is there something that you wish you was, was in the book that you didn't get into it? Yeah, that's more like it. I wished I had just mentioned the fact that Grandpa was the, uh, he was the one who started the N, uh, NFL merchandising. And really? it, was, it was his idea. I wish I would have put that in the book. Um, but I didn't. I, I don't know why. I just slipped my mind, I guess. A lot of other things going in there. But um, he started looking around as he was nearing the end of his movie career and thinking, um, you know, like you do, like, how am I going to make money to live? He he didn't live high, uh, like, in a mansion or anything. He was always kind of a cowboy at heart and lived a very simple life. But he was concerned about finances, just like anybody else. And so he thought, you know, merchandising has worked so well for me. I bet you anything with the sports teams on the rise and it's so people are so behind their team. I bet you anything it would work really well for merchandising in sports. And he went to the, the baseball league first and they turned him down and said, no, we're not interested. And then he went mm -hmm. to NFL and they were very interested and started talking. So it was under his umbrella the first few years of NFL merchandising. But then his merchandise manager that grandpa had jumped ship the next time uh, it was up for renewal. The, you know, and that was kind of a hard thing for him <laughs> because he took the idea with him and just basically left grandpa out outside of that. And, you know, I'm mm -hmm. reading this in the dentist office in a Time magazine. And I didn't know that. I was like in my 20s when I found that out. Nobody tells me anything in my family. <laughs> Grandma wrote uh, Happy Trails till I was 20. I was going to say that. Some guy on the radio. It's like, are you <laughs> kidding me? Um, so I didn't know that. I called my Uncle Dusty right away. Roy, Roy Rogers Jr. is my, my uncle. And uh, I said, Uncle Dusty, is this really true? And he goes, yeah, it's kind of a kind of sore subject with dad but yeah he was the the start of the nfl wow merchandising wow. so i, I kind of wish i would have put that in there but you know 
there's a lot in there. I mean, I just oh, I brainstormed yeah. all the ideas that I could have in there. And actually some things that I had in there on the 15th or 16th edits, you know, round of edits, um, I got those taken out. Just things that I worded that I didn't like or maybe, you know, saying something I didn't really want out there. I don't know. Um, but it was just, it, it wasn't anything big. It was just little things here and there. But you're never done writing. I don't know if you guys have ever written. Uh, actually, our novel is set to release May 30th. You have a novel coming out? Are you we joking? Yeah. No, 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 you're not we, joking. <laughs> no, no. Nice. Yeah, we have a, it's actually out for pre-order right now. But, you know, we're here to talk about your novel. Oh, and well. We, Leo. <laughs> we yes, can bring up ours in a minute. Where can they find out more about our amazing guest? Well, if you check the show notes up above or down below, depending on where you're watching or listening to us. And uh, you can find out all the information about the amazing Julie and uh, her incredible grandparents. And uh, we do have a few pictures here. Which one was the one that was in the in the book you were mentioning? Uh, that's in the book. They're, I think they're all those are all in the book. Okay. Oh, that's wow. Awesome. You got the Muppets there, too. Yeah. That's oh, awesome. <laughs> yep. Yep. Actually, I don't think those two are in the book, but so many of the PR pictures look so much alike. Well, that is the book. But that is, that the, is book. the book. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's in the book. That is, awesome. uh, you know, to our viewers and listeners, um, amazing stories that I think everybody should read. So, you know, don't hesitate. The links are in the show notes. I mean, very just one click. There's the book. You know, you'll find it. Yeah. And I believe you said you were in the process of setting up a website. I am. It's info at julierogerspamilia.com. And I've got the domain and everything. I'm just building the website and having somebody help me with that. But I, my ultimate goal with that is to provide information with people have questions um trivia little fun facts and stuff and stories different things about the rest of the family um but also if they want to order a book they'll be able to order it and then i can sign it and send it directly to them so nice. i'm hoping to get that set up soon excellent excellent yeah, that would be cool now are, are you um are you planning on doing any kind of tour i am book? of sorts um this summer i'm going back to ohio cincinnati area and I'm going to be doing a small tour back there and then ending it with the Roy Rogers Festival in Portsmouth, Ohio on the first oh, week nice. of August. We always have a Roy Rogers Festival. And You guys get his own festival? Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? He lived there. That was his boyhood home back in Portsmouth. He lived in the hauler. I didn't even know what a hauler was till I started going <laughs> to this festival. And, um, you know, he was a backwoods country boy. Yeah. And so when they, they he went to Hollywood, he was not prepared for what Hollywood wanted to do to him. Right. At all. So and and he wasn't he wasn't one to small talk. Terrible small talker, even to family. I used to make it a game when I called. If he happened to answer the phone, I'd look at my watch and see how long um if I could beat my time from the last time, uh, <laughs> how long it's going to be before he says, "Okay, well I'll get Ma now." because <laughs> he wanted to get off the phone real fast um but you know they wanted to put on Hollywood parties and he didn't want to go because he was uncomfortable he didn't know what to say 
So he finally said, well, can I bring a friend? And they said, yeah, sure, fine, bring a friend. So he brought his hunting buddy, and they sat on the couch all night and talked about coon hunting. So <laughs> the CEO said, yeah, never mind, never mind. That's <laughs> great. No, that's great. I mean, you know, you can't you're... take the country out of the boy. Totally. Right, right. I yeah. mean, your grandparents were so far ahead of their time. Yeah. You know, um, I think I read somewhere they adopted five. Well, they were. Nine. Yeah, five out of nine of their kids were adopted. And, you know, with all the talk, you know, about, you know, be, being inclusive and, you know, mm -hmm. cultural sensitivity and everything. We knew nothing about that because I had five uh aunts and uncles who were from different walks of life i mean i had mm -hmm. one aunt i have one aunt that's native american and i have another i had another aunt that was korean and i had another aunt from scotland and my uncle had special needs um they adopted him from an abused boy's home uh horrible he, his parents abused him and hit him in the head so he had some mild brain damage and mm -hmm. he, he was abandoned mm -hmm. And they thought, what's going to become of a little guy like him? And so their their friends used to tease them that every time they go to another children's hospital or orphanage, that they'd come back with another kid. And that kind of was true. They just kept collecting kids. <laughs> I mean, not like because they didn't love them. They really wanted a big family. And right. they I won this one in a bet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they um they really wanted a big family and, you know, they had one child between them, but she was born with really severe heart problems and down syndrome. And they had to bury her on her second birthday. Ooh. It was heartbreaking. And so after that, they didn't want to try again. So that's when they started adopting everybody. And my dad was the oldest. So he was Dale's only biological son from her very first marriage. Yep. And, um, but, but you know what, nobody had a pecking order. Nobody was better than the other. If you were from them biologically or not, because uh, most of them were not, and it didn't right. matter. So we didn't see color and culture and all that as a, some kind of stumbling block or anything. Uh, we have lots of colors in our family. That's awesome. And not too many people do see that. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'm so blessed to have this kind of family that I was brought up in. It, it was like magical. I mean, I really did have a magical upbringing and I felt it. And I just was very, very happy childhood. Well, big, now, big did you chaotic uh, family, but lots of love. Now, did you uh, gather information from your aunts and uncles as you were writing this book as well? to get some of their experiences as being the sons and daughters? Well, I didn't get their experiences because my uncle already wrote a book growing up with Roy and Dale and my aunt Cheryl already wrote a book. Um, the princess, um, I want to say princess bride, the cowboy princess. Okay. <laughs> Not to be confused. And so they already have books out on what it was like to be their, their son and daughter but I did run by a lot of facts by them, making sure that my facts were right. Not mm -hmm. that I was a book about facts, but if I'm going to throw out a fact there or a date, I just wanted to make sure that it was correct. Correct. And um, so they were helpful uh, on that. And okay. yeah, and there and my cousins were very excited about it. I mean, everybody has a real good feeling about it. And 
it's primarily about me and then my family, but um, there are pictures of everybody in there. So, so it's really, the book is really an autobiography about you. Well, sort of, but I don't, I don't think many people are interested in me because who am I? Um, they're definitely stories that always are centered around something that happened with them. So I don't well, just yes. talk about when I, you know, did this or that and it was apart from them. It always has a reason coming back to, you know, this was with grandma and grandpa or, you, you know, it, they're, they're all stories about me and them. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, I didn't even know the TV was invented in the 50s. Hmm. You didn't? No. I mean, I, you know. Well, no, black and white. Yeah, black and white. I didn't Well, when I first started watching TV, it was black and white. So, yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Our first color show that I watched was um, The Flintstones. Yeah. The Flintstones. Oh, I was the Flintstones. so excited when we got our first color TV. That was That was pretty cool. So uh, approximately 8,000 U.S. households had television sets in 1946. Really? Uh, 45.7 million had them by 1960. So it looks like the boom of TV happened in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Late 50s, yeah. Okay. Yeah. When did color come in, Leo, since you're looking shit up? Yeah. Well, they also, <laughs> you know, Grandma and Grandpa started their show on radio. And then they kind of seamlessly just moved it to TV. Wow. So they spanned they spanned a big uh, generation of you know between the in media you know the transformation in media because his last movie was in 1976 which was on in the theaters and um, and wow, that was okay. when he was you know in his 60s. Now that you oh, mention God. that. And and by the I way, that, 19- yeah, no the uh, the radio show. I mean, because when I was a little kid, we used to listen to a lot of radio uh-huh. and, you know, the Fibber McGee and Molly and, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, those old, old radio shows as a kid, uh-huh. you know, growing up in the woods of Maine, there was no TV. So we, we did listen to the radio. I think Roy Rogers was part of that cycle. Yeah. Say that. Yeah. Now and they were also that, guest you know. stars on Jimmy Stewart had a radio program being Crosby had a radio program and, and they worked together with both of them. And um, mm-hmm. so you don't realize that the crossover, you know, they didn't just hang out with guys with, with, with cowboy hats. They were, you know, friends with all different genres of movies and radio. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to have you ruin my vision because um, what I picture is uh, a farm with a whole bunch of horses, um, you know, and as a kid, you're out there, you're riding horses with grandpa and all of that. Is that, is that totally incorrect? It's not too far off. Okay, um, good. good. We didn't ride a lot of horses because we were busy just being with the family and he didn't, you know, we, he would, like I said, he would put us on trigger and give us rides, you know, but not all the time. And we didn't just ride solo somewhere, but you know, they lived in like on 300 acres and wow. a lot of wow. their acreage, they did their filming on. And it looked like the old Westerns with the big boulders and the sagebrush and the dirt roads and stuff. And so they could put their makeup on in their bedroom and step right out the back door and be on set. And oh, that's convenient. 
So they had, and they had lots of animals. I mean, they had um, sheep and they had doves and they had cattle and they had um, uh, peacocks. The peacocks were Peacock. still around there. They, yeah, they sort of set up camp and, and um, uh, down in Chatsworth. They're, they're still around and it's because grandpa brought them in. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or not. <laughs> Right. But, um, yeah, he had right. he had about six different kinds of. You know, I had pigs. He had wow chickens. So, so it, it was, it you, was um, a child's dream. It really was. It was the kind of rambling ranch house. They had a pool. Grandpa would jump in with us and play chicken with us and Marco Polo. I mean, you know, all the traditional kids' games. Wow. Oh. Did um, you ever go um, cow tipping? No. <laughs> That's, I thought he only did that in Fresno or someplace like that. <laughs> I've never done that. Did you not hear her say how her grandpa was? Yes. Well. Okay. I'm just saying. You know. Did you not hear me say that I was a terrible third grader? Yeah, that's true. Uh, yes, that I did. I, I, you know what? I filed that one back in my mind. I, did. <laughs> I have to say. So, I, Leo, you were going to say something a, a few minutes ago. What were you going to say? Uh, no, I was going to answer Jeff. Uh, so the transition to color TV happened in 1965. That's when all the networks announced that they're moving over to uh, color. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, mid-60s, uh, color sets started selling in large numbers. Okay. All right. Leo is a... Just he's the encyclopedia. You are. Me. You <laughs> are. I should have called you for my some of my information. I'm sure you would have known some stuff. You know, I even have friends that know more than anybody in my family. Wow. I have yeah. a couple friends that I call and say, okay, tell me about that. Like, or I'll show them a picture. Do you know when this was taken? And they'll tell me <laughs> the, the date, the event, you know, the interesting things surrounding it. It's like, you are crazy. I don't know how you know this stuff. So, um, well, yeah. Being that they were they were such amazing people in Hollywood, they had their fan base, their fan boys, their fan girls that mm -hmm. that would know probably more than most people. Yeah, well, you know when you're a when you're a grandchild and you go to your grandparents' house, how much do you know about their jobs or you know what they do outside of family? I mean, we didn't care. We were just being grandkids mm -hmm. playing with toys and you know each other and stuff and so we didn't really pay attention and i think all of us are kind of like that all of the grandchildren there's 16 of us they're now 15 one passed mm -hmm. away but there there were 16 mm -hmm. and i don't think any of us really knew as much as people some people outside the family right well i know that when i used to go to my grandparents house i mean he was an accountant i didn't want to fucking know anything about that no i mean <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't. I, it doesn't matter. And I just wanted to know where the candy was. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's for sure. You know, right, right. Now, here's a question for you because uh -huh. I mean, I experienced it my whole life growing up. Whenever I went to my grandparents' house, or uh, even today when I go to my uh, my in-laws' house, um, is there a scent that it just smells like? Oh yeah. People? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, there was a scent in their house. All right. Yeah. It was um grandma's salad. Her she she made this salad that was her salad dressing and it smelled like lemon garlic in their house. 
And that's the only thing I liked of every Friday night when she would cook for the family. We, you know, we'd go over for Friday night dinners and I never understood why fish had to be on Friday. And, and <laughs> fish was like, they were a little bit of everything, you know, Oh, let's yeah. grab this fish on Friday. That's good. I like that. So, um, and then they would add whatever grandpa had shot that week, like a, maybe badger or maybe, you know, um, elk or bear. And, and she'd like, just mix it all up in this stew, this nasty stew. And I, <laughs> nice. and it was, we had stew every, every time we went over there. And so I survived my childhood on jello rolls and salad and uh, just, you know, I, <laughs> I mean, I didn't mind sitting in the kitchen. All of us little kids had to sit at the kitchen table. And I never got to sit at the big family table, the round one with the lazy Susan. And I didn't know who Susan was and why grandma thought she was lazy because she'd always call her lazy Susan. It's like, who is lazy Susan? And I was enthralled by lazy Susan. But anyway, we didn't have lazy Susan in the kitchen. We just were at the kitchen table. And if we didn't like any of the stuff, we'd feed it to the dogs under the table. But the dogs wouldn't even eat that stew sometimes. And I'd have to call <laughs> under and put it down the disposal. Um, yeah, oh, they, they didn't pay much attention to us in the kitchen. So it was good. We had our own little <laughs> dinner party going on in there. Uh, we had a comment come in. Carrie says, outside of the movies, your grandparents remind me so much of my own. Hunting, farming, training horses, all that was what they did. They were big fans of your grandparents. I was a caregiver for them in their last decade of their lives. And I swear, I've seen every movie of theirs at least 10 times over. They gave us lots of happiness. Oh, I love that. They gave me lots of happiness, too. And that's the kind of people they were. They were very giving and very loving, very normal. They were normal people with extraordinary jobs, you know. Right. And I bet they were a lot like your grandparents, um, whoever that was that, that wrote in. Uh, that was Carrie. Carrie. Now, uh, you mentioned going to the festivals. Uh, have you noticed a, a um, kind of explosion in uh, popularity over the last couple of years since uh, Westerns have been starting to make a comeback? I saw an explosion back in the late 90s, actually, in 2000s. Mm -hmm. They're still going, but but back then, Grandpa made a a music video with Clint Black. And they were up for a Grammy for that year. But wow. they were in the same category as um, Natalie Cole with Unforgettable. Mm -hmm. I mean, how are you going to go up against that? She, she won that fair and square. That was beautiful with her dad. But anyway, it was great to be nominated at, you know, 70, whatever he was. And all of a sudden, his picture was on a bunch of magazines. And there was kind of a resurgence after that and my son i remember was in uh preschool and he was the only kid that could go to preschool and say my great-grandfather was in a music video <laughs> and um they came to his his preschool on cowboy day and his little friends didn't even care but the teachers just about fainted you know um wow i was gonna ask that roy and dale and it's cute because i have a picture of Grandma and Grandpa with my son. My son's mm -hmm. all duded up in cowboy stuff because it was cowboy day. My grandparents aren't. And my grandpa's pointing to my son, you know, like, look, there's the real cowboy right here. 
It was really cute. They were such family That's people. Awesome. It was, you know, I just smile. I, was ask, did... I mean, when people ask, did you know them? And it's like, yeah, very much. Did they ever go to school with these guys? That's unusual, yeah. Did they go to school what? Did they ever show up at a school event with you guys? Yeah, I mean, they showed up to recitals and birthday parties and school plays and, you know, concerts and whatever else um, we were doing. They didn't have time, but they made time for us. And I always felt loved. So you brought brought them to show and tell? Well, not really. <laughs> um, but that's what it felt like when I, when they came to my son's preschool. Yeah. You know, they were something. Wow. Grandma was real outgoing. He was not. But people would ask him, does it bother you that she talks so much? And he'd say no, because it just gives me more time to think of what I want to say. And it was <laughs> Well, with them for them, they you know they they compliment Fair enough. it was opposites, definitely. Wow. Well, I thought you were going to say, Well, no, when she's doing that, that she talks less at home. Oh, no, no, that wasn't <laughs> the case at all. <laughs> it's funny though, because later on, when grandpa got a hearing aid, he couldn't hear anything until you were talking about him in the kitchen about 50 feet away, and then he could hear every word. <laughs> it's like, I don't believe you. So he was, we, he's the inventor of selective hearing. Yes. I was going to say that. Yeah. yeah, he was. That was him. Selective hearing. <laughs> that. Mm-hmm. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. Funny. So, wow. so yeah, I think, um, I think they were an inspiration to a lot of people, especially, you know, uh, people of my generation. I was born in 63. Okay. Uh, yeah. You know, so I... You know, I did grow up with that. Like I said, you know, Rex Trailer, and uh, there was a lot of shows that started to, uh, you know, hit the airwaves. And I think yes. a lot of it was because of what Roy did. You know, the mm-hmm. uh, the Rifleman and, and that kind of stuff. All of yeah. that, and then finally Bonanza and all that. The yeah. Bonanza, yeah, it was all based on what your grandparents were doing. Well, you know, funny people kind of laugh at the B westerns. Like they kind of treat the B westerns as second rate, uh, as opposed to a sweeping John Wayne big budget movie. But the the honesty, the the truth was, the B westerns were the bread and butter of the studios because mm-hmm. uh, they brought in the weekly money from the weekly matinees. They brought in consistent money, and that allowed the studios to have the funds to make those big big budget movies and if it weren't for the b westerns they wouldn't have had all those big john wayne movies and all the you know other big ones um and so they had a real uh integral part in the whole history of the westerns and something to be proud of because you know b westerns is like yeah but um, we rode one time in the Rose Parade with all the, the sons and daughters of the real West, like R-E-E-L, like the film cowboys. Mm-hmm. We rode in the Rose Parade and there was like Kiki Epson with, you know, Buddy Epson's daughter. There was the John Wayne family. There was the son and grandson. Um, and then there was Tom Rowan. We said, Tom, wasn't your dad on Laughing? How'd you mm-hmm. get in this group? <laughs> Apparently right. 
Apparently, Dick Rowan made one spaghetti western. We never let him live that down. He's since passed, <laughs> but um, we gave him such a hard time. Oh, you got in here by the skin of your teeth. Your dad did one western. <laughs> he was so funny. He was such a you know good sport about it. Um, but we gave him a pretty hard time. <laughs> So, so uh, I'm assuming that Roy knew um, a lot of these people personally. Obviously. Oh yeah, yeah. He was actually really good friends with Clark Gable, and they didn't Gable, obviously okay. do any movies together, but they had the same interests. And um, and I know Burt Reynolds was never recognized by his dad as being a successful actor until. Bert came back after hunting with grandpa one time and said, Hey dad, I just got back from hunting with Roy Rogers. And his dad got real quiet. And he said, you went hunting with Roy Rogers, huh? And he said, yeah, I dad, I did. And he said, okay, now you've arrived son. Now, now you're somebody. <laughs> it's like, wow. Okay. okay wow. Thanks, dad. <laughs> but he, um, yeah. True story. I heard Bert say that several times. Hmm. So, and uh, I love the name dropping. Keep going. Keep going. Oh well, no, it's not like I. You know. <laughs> I love. No, it's awesome. These are great stories. You know they. Um, yeah. They just had well. good friends in the business. Harry Morgan. Um, I met him through the Golden Boot. That he was the. He was the commander on Mash, the TV show Mash. Mm-hmm. And he was in Dragnet, I think. I don't know, some old show, black and white show. Anyway, um, I was at a party and he came up and sat down and he said, you know, my first movie was with your grandfather. I wouldn't have known that. Oh, wow. Had he not come up and and talked to me. He was so cute because he, he remembered every detail and told me every detail about that <laughs> movie. <laughs> wow. And um, it was cute. Mickey Rooney. Same thing. He had wonderful things to say, and um, I was I was guiding them into the you know because my family was on the hospitality committee for the Golden Boot. That was a like a Academy Awards of only westerns that was held mm-hmm. in Beverly Hills every August. So I was always there to greet the people at the limos and and kind of walk them down the red carpet and and then um, to the green room and to all their interviews and stuff. Well, Mickey Rooney and his wife wanted to get seated in the ballroom right away. And not, um, they just, he wasn't, he just wanted to be quiet for a little bit. And no one was in the ballroom and it was cool and everything. It was summertime. And so I asked him if I could get, get them anything else. And he said, why don't you just sit down and chat for a while? So I did. I just sat down and just like talking to your next door neighbor. Dick Van Dyke was the same way. I mean, we didn't change, you know, uh, you know, routing numbers for our bank or anything. It's not like, you know, we got, (laughs) (laughs) but I mean, um, you're standing outside a yard sale, rocking back on your heels, you know, just talking with your hands in your pockets, you know, about this and that. And, um, and you realize all of these people are regular people that right. have fascinating jobs for the rest of us. It's true. It's true. You know? And I never Absolutely. thought I would get, I never thought I would like be in awe of somebody. I was kind of with Dick Van Dyke cause I kept seeing all the songs from Mary Poppins, you know? as I was talking to him and that really and then and then I stepped on Donald O'Connor's foot one time he was in singing in the rain with um with um 
what's my what's my problem gene kelly gene kelly and i stepped back and i um i turned around to put my arm my hand on whoever's arm it was to say oh i'm so sorry and i saw donald o'connor i went oh i love you i mean in singing in the rain i i you know, <laughs> and then i thought what a dumb thing to say julie I mean, you're sounding like all those people that do that to grandma and grandpa. And you said you'd never do that. And here I am. And he was very great, gracious. And I said, I, and I even told him, I never thought I would do this. <laughs> but I'm really excited to meet you. Now, did Roy ever have the opportunity or was it ever presented to be able to be uh, in a film with John Wayne? Wait, was he in a film with John Wayne? Was it ever presented that he, that uh, that possibility would exist? Or was he? I don't even know. He was. His very first movie, he was um, starred with John Wayne. Very first movie. Oh, he did? Movie. Okay. It was called Dark Command, and he played the impetuous younger brother of, um, now I can't remember the lady in it, but uh, he did not play Roy Rogers. He wore a dark hat, and he wasn't the best of characters, which was really interesting. That was his first movie. Okay. John Wayne. Was it Claire Trevor? Oh, yes. Yes. Very good. See? Um, Man behind the keyboard there. There you go. He's quick on the Google. I am. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so, you know, and they knew each other. And, you know, it's all kind of like a, you know, it's a. So he was just, he, they were just like everybody else's grandparents to you. Yeah. Like just normal. I mean, mm -hmm. you told us a little story um, before we went live about your grandfather's hat. Oh. <laughs> that you, you know, you, you haven't put away now, but tell, tell our viewers that story so that they can kind of grasp the concept of how you grew up. They, they, they were just grandma and grandpa. They were yeah, just they grandma special. and grandpa. Yeah. You know? yeah, and he gave my dad his hat. And my dad, you know, he just had it for a while. But he gave it to me. So I it got passed down to me. And so I had my grandpa's hat with me. And my sons, every time they, uh, my three sons that I had, um, when they turned six, I gave them a cowboy party just for fun. And so I had like different stations, bales of hay around the backyard. And um, on one of them, it was like flipping the cards into the cowboy hat. And I used grandpa's hat for that. And I turned it upside down and they were kids, you know, five, six-year-olds were flipping cards into grandpa's hat. And my husband went, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. Whose hat is this? I said, it's grandpa's. He goes, no. No, you are not having this at a five, six-year-old party where punch can be spilled or some kid gets sick on it or something. No, we're not doing this. Here, take my hat. And then he took grandpa's and put it away. It's like, what's the big deal? It's just his hat. Um, I didn't see the big deal in it because right. I grew up. Another thing about that hat was it had grandpa's sweat stains on the hat. And I took it several years ago down to the country store in Van Nuys to try to get it cleaned. And he looked at it and he turned it over and he saw that grandpa's signature was engraved in gold in the in the inside. And he said, wait a minute, whose hat is this? Is this really Roy Rogers hat? I said, uh, yeah, it is. He goes, no, 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 I'm not taking any sweat off this hat. You want that sweat on there? I said, I do, why? He said, well, 
I, I don't know. I'm not touching it. That's part of the history of the hat. So right. I have grandpa's hat with the big, big sweat stain in the big, you know, in the front of it. And there it is. It's probably never going to take, be taken off. Well, it should be sitting in a glass case in a museum somewhere. Yeah, well, see, I have it in a glass case, but I was taking it out. I was showing people. I've gotten it kind of dirty now a little bit. And my husband is like beside himself. He said, put that thing back under the glass and, and you know, he's more, Leave it alone. He's more concerned about it than I am. So. Well, I mean, uh, from from the other side, his point of view is that actually it's a piece of history. Yeah. That is a piece of Hollywood history. Right. And not just like, Hey, you know, he wore, you know, in that one movie at one time mm -hmm. and, you know, it's just chilling over there at the hard rock cafe. I mean, this was like part of him. It was, his it was the hat he really did wear. It wasn't like, you know, they run the flag up at the Capitol and then they take it down. They say, Oh, this flag was flown over the Capitol. Which yeah. it was, but they don't say that it was just run up and run down. Right. Um, the pole. I mean, he actually wore this. And yeah, that, and that's what I mean. It was it was part of him. It had wear in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so I I agree with Jeff. I mean, that's something that like <laughs> that needs to be in the glass. Yeah. Yeah. You know, where nobody can touch it. Yeah. Behind an electric fence. <laughs> Uh, Such no, a is big there, is deal there... about nothing, you know. I mean, right. I have boxes of grandma and grandpa stuff in my attic, which my kids oh. are never going to want. Oh. I don't know. Oh. I don't know what to oh. do with all. Right. Is is there a um a Western museum? I was just going to ask. There that. was. We had a museum for the longest time, the Roy Rogers Dale Evans Museum, and he started it in 1968 when they moved to Victorville, and Grandma said, Papa. You have too much stuff. You need to open a museum or something and put it all in there and get it out of our house and our garage. He said, okay, I will. So he bought the bowling alley down the street, converted into to his first museum, and he put all this family stuff in there. It was kind of neat for the family because it was like a living scrapbook of their ranch in Chatsworth with lots of good memories. And so the table with Lazy Susan was there. And um, all kinds of stuff mm. from when we were little. Wow! And um, well, I think and I think there really needs there really needs to be a Western museum. I mean, well, and they had it for so long. Your Rock and, and Roll it, Hall of Fame. I think it should yeah, be. Yeah, they for they all had it until two thousand seven, and you know when the housing market and everything kind of started to falter, and there's mm -hmm. you know hard times. Branson really suffered because a lot of people on fixed incomes, older people on fixed incomes, go mm -hmm. there. And they just weren't coming there and spending the money. And so a lot of things closed. And it was cute because when we first moved into the neighborhood with our museum in Branson, the Osmonds came over with a pie and said, welcome to the neighborhood. <laughs> it was so homey. I mean, like, oh, this is so sweet. Thank you. I mean, who would have thought you'd get a pie from the Osmond brothers? Right. But, um, yeah, we finally had to close it. And uh, and then we auctioned it all off at Christie's. Uh, and it was hard because, you know, you see people, strangers that are bidding on personal stuff that you remember. But then you think, OK, the other side of the coin is that so many people loved them enough mm -hmm. to want a piece of their lives. That's very heartwarming for the family. 
And also we have those memories that you can't buy or sell or, you know, no one can ever take the memories from us. Right. So, you know, I have a couple of his shirts. Um, in fact, I should have had it here today, but again, my husband told me to put those away. <laughs> you didn't wash them first, did you? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they were all made by Nudie, the rodeo tailor who did mm -hmm. Elvis's uh, gold lame suit. He did a lot for Elvis too, but um, yeah, they went for like seven thousand dollars at this Christie's auction. Wow! My uncle said any of the family could buy any of the stuff out of the museum if we wanted it, but we'd have to pay what the IRS had come in and valued it for. Mm -hmm. And so at the time, the IRS had valued all these things for like these these um, shirts of his for seven hundred dollars. I'm thinking. I'm not paying $700 for a shirt. Are you kidding me? Well, they went for $7,000. So wow. somebody bought Couldn't it. Couldn't you just say that this is um, this is already owned by the family? Why would you have to pay? The IRS wouldn't, wouldn't do that. I mean, like, Fuck the IRS. only paid minimal way back in the 40s and 50s for all this stuff. But they came in and reassessed it as what it would cost then. And us, the family had to come up with half of that and pay the IRS. And that's ridiculous. I know it was wow. ridiculous because when grandpa died, Even he, didn't way back then. Dime, he didn't owe a dime to anybody, but we had to come up with, you know, thousands of dollars for the stuff in the museum uh, to pay the IRS tax, the death tax. So that's we had ridiculous. to the inheritance fees. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> crazy stuff. It's really, really crazy stuff. Right. Now I see why you have it in your closet in the garage. Yeah. <laughs> right? You use it at kids' parties yeah. for something to throw <laughs> cards into. Yeah, some of this stuff they didn't they did not assess because I wasn't gonna present it, you know, go down to Victorville and present it as part of the museum stuff. It was already mine by then. So right. right. I'm not gonna say anything. Right. So we have like two, two or three minutes left with you. Um, any last questions from? These? Oh, we did. We did have another comment come in. Oh, did we? Uh, yeah. So Carrie says uh, some companies make personalized perfumes from clothing you send to them to capture the scent of the people who wore it. They could probably convince them to set up a special visit to treat the hat with the present, and uh, have a scent made out of that would be something people would go nuts over just to have. My goodness, I've never heard of that. That would be awesome. A perfume called horse. <laughs> Trigger number one. <laughs> oh. Wow. oh, I'm not even going to touch that. Yeah, I'm no, not... no. Let's leave that one alone. We're gonna, <laughs> not even going to touch that one. Because that could just derail this whole yes, show really, yes, really yes. quick. Especially with the five of us. Oh, there's four. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Five here. <laughs> I have not been drinking, I promise you. Just came from work. Well, you, you, you do teach third grade, which is something that we kind of joked about at the beginning, but yeah. I, I could understand why you'd be like a little frazzled right now. I'm a little bit, yeah, spent at the end of my day. Just don't talk to me for a while. <laughs> so on that note, we um, probably should wrap this up because I know Leo has another show. You had just gotten home from work. Oh, I'm uh, so it, happy that you had me on. I'm really so, happy. Yeah, we had a blast. Um, Leo's going to do his thing. He's going to take us out just 
hang tight until he says the show's closed because this is actually being recorded okay. um, and live. So future viewers can watch it as well. And before we do, Leah, where can they find out about our amazing guest? Well, uh, definitely check the show notes up above or down below, depending on where you're watching or listening to us. You'll find all the information about Julie's book uh, right there and all the information about Julie and where to, uh, you know, uh, follow her. Uh, for me, just Google Leo Pond. You find a bunch of stuff. Could be true. Could be not. I'm not going to say which is which, but I run the Dorkening Podcast Network. Ton of shows on a network. There's a lot of awesome people doing a lot of awesome stuff. Head on over to thedorkening.com. We're going to be doing our midweek geek show later on tonight in about 45 minutes. And uh, with that, Julie, where do you like people interacting with you on social media? Well, I always like to interact on Facebook, but now I've been hacked like three times since this book started. So, I mean, you can find me there, but don't hack me. Stop it, whoever you are. Um, I'm on there, Julie Fox, Ashley Pamelia. There's no Rogers, so that's going to be kind of tricky to find, but... Um, but I do like to talk to people. I think it's going to be better when I get the website up, info at julierogersmelia.com, and then I can interact more. Awesome. Jeffrey. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Go to stilltoken.com. You'll find out everything you need to know about us. And I mean everything, all links to all our other stuff. Uh, but I do want to say uh, go to Amazon. Um, you can just do a search for Token with the Dead. The novel is in pre-order right now. I am so excited about this. It's been years in the making, mainly because we kind of got sidetracked and decided to do comic books out of it for some stupid fucking in TV uh, series and in the TV and you know animation, yeah, so, yeah. you know. So <laughs> Ben, I wasn't talking to you. Shut the fuck up. This is my moment. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, go to stilltoken.com, and I want to thank Julie. Thank you very, very much. Uh, you brought back a whole shit ton of memories, some that I really were trying to forget. <laughs> oh, I hope, I hope there was some positive ones in there. Oh, there's always positive ones in there. There's just something about a hat, because I think I pooped in a hat once. Oh, please. It better not have been grandpa's. That would not have been. <laughs> no. My husband would be all about that. Right. But that's what third graders would do, you know. Yeah. Be careful where you pull that thing out. At least that's, that's what right. I was taught a long time ago. That's right. Mm. You know. Oh, my. Oh, I've, learned a lot. I've learned a lot this, this hour with you. <laughs> Yeah, whatever it, it's been, it seems like it's been an hour. <laughs> it has. It has. It's been, it's been about an hour and ten minutes. Oh, good. Okay. You know, yeah, we all learn a lot about Jeff every show. <laughs> Trust me. Um, no, like Jeff said, we want to thank you for coming out and hanging out with us, talking about the book, but talking about your experiences with your grandparents, which are, in many people's eyes, the stars. They are they are the stars of Hollywood, um, even well, today. We, we could say our heroes, her grandparents. Thank you. Leah. Well, I was waiting to see well. if anybody. I was waiting to see if I would get a, a wait. A minute, there was a voice in my head that was Leo. There so, it was. <laughs> there it was. To all our veterans and first responders, we want to thank you for doing what you do, so people like us can do what we do. Stay safe. We'll see you next week. We're out of here.